Hey guys, Sam here. Before we get to this episode, I just want to clear something up. Um, my microphone has been on the fritz the last couple of weeks. Um, it's something I'm trying to get solved uh, as we speak. But as a result, this episode has some kind of weird uh, audio on my part. The good news is, is the guest sounds phenomenal on his end, which is great. Um, but just bear with me. Uh, I know it doesn't sound good. It's just kind of the way it is for this episode. Um Happy listening. Thank you so much for for being here to check this podcast out. I don't say it enough. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm Cam. And And this is Fall Risk. Risk. There too. That's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Fall Risk. I'm Sam, your host, and today we've got nothing other than Cameron Haley on the show. Cam, how are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, doing well. Doing well. Didn't put any airplanes together at work, so that's always a happy day, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Good. What do you yeah. do for work? Just to because that's a that's a bold statement. So before we get I, started, what do you do? For I work? keep Garrett from running into other pilots. Oh, <laughs> Garrett you <know>? Bloodworth. <laughs> yeah. I focus on him, but I have to deal with other planes from time to time. Oh, is that fun? Like when you when you are uh, giving instructions to different pilots, if you know them, like do they do yeah. they throw it out there often, or is That's, that something that never happens? A lot of my friends will like hit me up, like, "Hey, I've got a Fort Lauderdale turn or a Miami turn," and then we'll coordinate, and I'll make sure that I'm working the sector that they fly through when they get there, and we're just like, oh, "What's up?" You know, it's just kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought of anything too cool to do when that happens. Like I can't just like give them direct to the airport or anything, but okay. I don't know, maybe someday. That's but so yeah, lovely. I'm a, I'm a controller at Miami center. The cool part is I get to work the Sebastian jump planes all the time. Nice. So yeah, it's pretty neat. Talk to them all day. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so just for a little quick history lesson, I guess, um, for everyone listening, Cam and I have known each other for a while now, um, since like 2011, I want to say, uh, like- 20, 2013 i moved out there did you oh my yeah. god was it really that late yeah yeah oh, and we Jesus. were peckers together yeah for for a year yeah like yep. for a year and then you got your ratings right mm-hmm. and you um, too yeah well i mean a- after that like i was i was after you but uh yeah like that was yeah and then you kind of worked at um all the drop zones in the area um yep yep that was, yeah um Just... i think i i think i know the story of how you ended up in wisconsin but i'll let you tell it for everybody listening like how did you end up oh, in this yeah. area moving out west well you know i was a skydiver in college and there was this one uh chick that i knew named melissa zender who's super rad and still jumping yep. and she's out in arizona yep. now and she had like the coolest liquid sky suit and she had <laughs> like really dope tattoos and everything just like super badass chick and i was like Man, she's wearing oh, and she was wearing a G2, which back then you were like, whoa, mm-hmm. cool. You know, she had the hero two GoPro and everything. And I'm like, this chick's got her stuff together. Like, what does she do? And she's like, I'm an air traffic controller. I'm like, okay, cool. How do I get that? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Well, I went to school in Minneapolis. And I was like, Okay, I'll just move to Minneapolis then. <laughs> so I packed up all my things and my college roommate, uh, Jesse Jaber, who mm-hmm didn't skydive back then. And then we moved to Minneapolis and I didn't have a job or really any concrete plans after that. Mm -hmm. So I just drove out to, you know, 
halfway across the country without much money. I think it was like <laughs> under a thousand dollars. And then I went out to Skydive Twin Cities and I was like, hey, are you guys looking for Packers? And they're like, dude, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> it starts in two days. Absolutely not. And I was like, oh, man, OK. And so then they called me and they were like, two of our Packers just dropped out for the season. Mm -hmm. Can you show up on Saturday? And I was like, yeah, cool. Absolutely. And then we met that day and we're packing yeah. together that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a wild. I think I remember you telling uh, a watered down version of that story and being like, "You just decided to move to Bumfuck, Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> you just you just came out here for no reason." Like, well, the the funniest part was how Jesse like followed me there. Yeah, you know, because yep. I was like, you know, he was the best. Is the best roommate ever? Still one of my best friends. But I knew that he wanted to move to California, and we got really drunk one one night, and I was like, "You're the best roommate ever." <laughs> and if you ever wanted to move to Minneapolis with me, you know, I'd love to be your roommate. And he was like, really, you mean that? And I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> you're the best. Next day, he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And I'm like, uh, why? And he's like, well, you know, it's halfway to California. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, I'm not fighting with that logic. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so then off we went. Man, what a time. What a time we had when we were young like that. It was cool. You know? Like the, yeah. the reasons why we did certain things. It's crazy. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Pretty how degenerate. Old, how old were you when you got when you got here? When I got there, I was twenty three. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, that tracks. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after a few years of being here, you and your wife Nalini moved out to Florida, right? Yes. Yeah. So I finally, after bouncing around between, um. Wisconsin oh, yeah. and the Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, the, the few yeah. years you were like going back and forth. I remember that. Oh, yeah. that was wild. But then I finally got picked up by the FAA and they placed mm -hmm. me in Miami. Mm -hmm. And so we moved down here. And so that's where we've been ever since. Our home DZ is Sebastian, which is super awesome place to call a home DZ. It's, oh, yeah. you know, a pretty well-known drop zone, but it's got that small mm -hmm. kind of drop zone feel. And on weekends, it's just amazing. And they've got an up and coming little crew. Mm -hmm. of skydivers who are going to be really good um it's interesting so. that you say it's got a small town small town like you know vibe sometimes because it must be it must be like the locals you know like the locals have that vibe because i've only ever been there for events like big parties big events like yeah that kind of stuff so i have not experienced that vibe on that drop zone but it's also because i've never been there in yeah you know, you know in the down the downtime or the down season you know so we had we had some friends visit us last weekend and KDP, it was the first time she had been there at not an event. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, this is amazing. This is so fun <laughs> and not the overwhelming mess that it usually is when I'm here for events. And uh, we have just a really, really good group of people that are working at that drop zone, too. Yeah. And uh, Morgan and Andrew running the zoo bar. The zoo bar is amazing. Like mm -hmm. I will swear up and down best DZ food across the country. Yeah. Hands down. And they throw parties for us all the time. And we have our little end of the season party for us in the spring. And it's just super nice. Yeah. Okay. Big, big uh, drop zone capabilities, but small drop zone feel sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. We get the Scott of Chicago airplanes, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, with the exception of events, obviously, mm -hmm. it's a pretty okay. cool little club-like atmosphere, you know? Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Are you ready to get into like the nitty gritty details of like your origin story? Sure. Skydiving? Fantastic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about what year you started skydiving, how old you were, um, mm. where it was, you know, what kind of jump you did to begin with. Uh, okay. And then maybe how many jumps you have accumulated since then? 
Okay, cool. So I knew that I wanted to be a skydiver. I think there was a book in the library in elementary school that was like a picture book that had skydiving in it. And so I like wrote about it. I wanted to be a skydiver ever since I was that age. So I turn 18 and a bunch of high school friends and I go and we're like, we're just going to go skydive. And I knew that I wanted to do AFF. I had already researched that. Mm -hmm. And I, so I didn't get video in my tandem. I was like, I need to save money for AFF, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I love it. I have this really cool TI who had been doing it for years. He showed me what, like a left turn, a right turn, and just a couple of other things. And I was instantly just blown away. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And then also back in like, this was 2008. So like YouTube was just kind of becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple of other, you know, internet streaming services. And I remember seeing videos of some of the first vertical world records, Mm -hmm. even back then. And I just right away, was like, that's what I want to do. That is so cool. How do I do that? And Mike Wittenberg's videos were also like uh, early to, I think he might've had him on YouTube or somewhere else before Vimeo. Maybe it was dropzone.com or dropzone skydivingmovies.com. Anyway, uh, I just had a really clear image of where I wanted to take the sport from very early on. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that the college I was going to, University of Connecticut, had a skydiving club. And so I was determined to get my AFF rating because back then Kate Armstrong was running the UConn club. Mm -hmm. And I called her one day and I was like, hey, I'm like this 18-year-old. I'm halfway through AFF. How do I how do I join the club? And she's like, oh, awesome. Yeah, we were wondering who was going to join the club. Like, we're all graduating soon. <laughs> so, so it took me an entire summer uh, because I was working two jobs. And I, and I only had one day off. Um, but I finally got my A license in late October. I had been going to this place called CPI, Connecticut Parachutes Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Amazing drop zone, one of the oldest drop zones in the United States. It's an offshoot of Parachutes Incorporated, which started in Massachusetts. And I can't speak highly enough about that drop zone. My 25th jump was like a 6.6 way because it's just one of those DZs where everybody's like, oh, awesome. You know, you're one of us. Like, let's teach you everything. Mm -hmm. And they were very RW focused. They had a classic accuracy tough it out at all times. (laughs) That's great. And they jumped all through the winter. So it was really, really cool. Um, And then, yeah, then I was able to continue jumping through college because I had the backing of the university, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So they gave us hours of tunnel time for training um, each semester. I know it's unfair. It's so amazing. Unfair. I think it was, I think you oh man, I think I now that you say it, I'm like, I remember hearing that and being so envious of it at the time. Now I remember. Yeah, continue. Oh, sorry, sorry. It was that hilarious. Just- no, it was really funny because like Kate's whole cohort quickly graduated after that. Mm-hmm. So it was like me and one other person for a long time, Kyle Enderly. <laughs> <laughs> He's jumping at start skydiving. And uh we would just do all of the tunnel training and we'd go to like the hot air balloon club and be like, hey we'll add you to our roster if, you know, if we would all boost all of the other like obscure clubs numbers by just Mm -hmm. all being on each other's roster. (laughs) So I kind of kept the club afloat for a few years and then eventually built it up to a lot more people who uh, are still skydiving and base jumping and wingsuiting and everything like that. Uh, Jeff Harrigan, John Sislobrit, like all, all these people. And then they took what I was able to kind of secure and then just ran with it Mm -hmm. and just made it so 
big and, and so awesome. But it was really cool. Um, because at 18 years old, you know, I get my A license in October. And then I was at Collegiate Nationals competing months later yeah. at Spaceland Houston. And there I met some of the people who are like still some of my best friends in the sport to this day. Um, you know, Doug Barron was already doing four-way belly even back then in 2008 and just crushing it already. Um, Dan Schirmeyer was my free fly teammate. He's like one of the flocking videographers that you see with all these images and parachutists and everything. And um, those are like some of my best friends, you know? Very cool. So, yeah. Very cool, man. Very um, lucky. When you left, what, did anybody take over? Wait, okay. So that was, you were running the Yukon Club for a long time. Yeah. When you transitioned out here, did you have any part in the Minnesota club at the U at the U or no? I didn't. I always offered them help because yeah. I knew how to game the system and get the most funding <laughs> <laughs> that I possibly could. Um, but I never really established anything with them. But I, I just kind of told them my techniques, you yeah. know. I wonder if they're even afloat anymore. I haven't heard anything about that in a long, long time. Long I, I long hope time. so. I mean, collegiate skydiving is very near and dear to me because the first competitions in skydiving was collegiate nationals, not mm -hmm. nationals. Like collegiates predates it. And back in like the 80s and everything, there used to be like hundreds and hundreds of people competing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I always try to help those people out. I always say that I'm going to be like a videographer for collegiate nationals. But now with my home disease being Sebastian, it's kind of just fun to yeah. go to invasion and have a new year's eve that way <laughs> is collegiate's always at the same location is it always at spaceland or is it is, does it change they bid on it but it's usually like this the usual suspects in terms of yeah. hosting nationals you know like sky okay. chicago lake wales has hosted some sky of arizona okay et cetera, et cetera. yeah the one the one i went to i didn't compete i was just there at the same time it, it, <laughs> it ended up being like a happy accident uh i went to it in spaceland and it was Oh, it was chaos. It was it was the first it was my second year of skydiving, I think. And I was it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to like competition beyond yeah. like ESL for our area. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, we can we can actually do this. You can just I think we went down there and my ex at the time like picked up a um was like on a pickup four way team. Um, nice. Yeah, it was a it was wild. It was a wild experience. So it's yeah, it's a recipe for an amazing time. You know, a bunch of college kids who are super hyped on skydiving right. <laughs> on their winter break. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, lots of military teams, too. Like the Air Force. Yes. Yeah. Tons and yeah. tons of military force or uh, military teams there. Yeah. They are much, so. much less opposed to, you know, yeah. dropping their students out of airplanes than civilian schools for some reason. Whatever. Yeah, it's to train them to do it later on, you know. <laughs> right. What floats your boat, man? Whatever you get, no, whatever gets you there, dude. They're super cool. I have a lot of friends that run like the Black Knights and and everything. And uh, you know, if you think UConn's funding is insane, <laughs> but, tax dollars at work, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was always so cool to jump with them, and you know, they were having a completely different college experience than I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, jump numbers. Where you at these days? I. <laughs> I kind of lost track when I was doing tandem instruction in the Twin Cities. Yep. Uh, I, I would imagine I'm around like somewhere around like 4,500 now. Okay. Um, That's my best estimate. It's maybe more than that. I, I think that's comfortably conservative that I'm not like mm -hmm. overinflating my numbers. Mm -hmm. So let's just round it up to five. Fuck it. Yeah, we'll say five. <laughs> we'll sure. say five. Five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, If you had to guess how much tunnel time you probably have, not standing time, flying time. 
Hmm, or I guess, okay. you know what? Fuck it, because it's way too hard. To, to, I, I wasn't to, even an instructor that long at Chicago, so I mean, that's not even going to boost my numbers that much. Yeah. I don't know. What um, do you think? How, many, how much time you total time? I would say, okay, like strictly flying, maybe like 250 or okay. something like that, because I did get a significant amount of time in college. Mm-hmm. And then I was working part-time at the Fort Lauderdale Tunnel mm-hmm. uh, until COVID. And they're like, hey, you got to go. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. You know, <laughs> that's Thank fine. Thank you. So. Okay. But. Fair amount then. A fair amount is. A fair amount. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, and instructor ratings in terms of skydiving, in terms of tunnel, like what do you make it to? What were you, what level were you at in the tunnel? What instructor I, ratings do you have in the sky? In, in the tunnel, I was a T2 level four uh you know pro flyer whatever that means nowadays and then <laughs> in the sky i am a currently lapsed ti and coach and i i took the aff course but i never i was in college and just smoking uh, stuff and i never like filled out the paperwork or took anybody on tandems and i should have filled out the paperwork because the course was with al king like al king invented aff super cool <laughs> but uh yeah only tandem and coach but okay. I loved doing tandem so much. It was so fun. Are you going to get it back or are you going to get it current again? I think so. Yeah, I would really enjoy it. I okay. think that I might do that in the future. I'm always like hesitant to take work from the full timers, though, you mm-hmm. know, so yeah. I'm just kind of like out of respect. I'm like, you know what? That's what's putting food on the table for you guys. So I'll let you mm-hmm. have at it. You know, I get that. I get that. What made you want to get your instructor ratings to begin with in skydiving? Money. Is that? Because that came, I was, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You're honest. I like it. Uh, I mean, that came before the tunnel thing. So, like, what was the motivation? It was just strictly like trying to make more money in skydiving, or yeah. Well, um, no, I, you know, I was packing, and packing is great money, but it's also extremely hard work, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carl Schneider and Carrie McCauley were like, oh, "You got the jump numbers. Why don't we make you a tandem instructor?" So I was. Not, I was never going to say no to that, you know, yeah. and I just, you know, just did a bunch of tandems. I was just a tandem, you know, workhorse, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. didn't have my own gear at that point. So I couldn't be a camera flyer. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I just was borrowing John Bushko's gear uh, okay. when I was as, in the Twin Cities. As soon as I said what, I was like, I'm pretty sure he was jumping Bushko's like one of, yep. one of the javelins for a while. Yeah, because yeah. UConn has its own gear. So I was just jumping their oh, gear. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And yep. you um, you were hucking drogues for a long time out of the little airplanes over, over in Forest Lake. Yes. 182 tandems, which mm-hmm. are very frugal because of handicam yeah. but man it is work you are working for it you know i remember the first day we had to, or uh we were like the you guys called it silver lake here yeah, silver town <laughs> silver town from silver joe town. dirt yeah. Like, yeah 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 silver town <laughs> um i remember the first time we had to go over to west side um uh after scott of twin cities absorbed west side um and we had to, i had to do a full day it was like 14 tandems out of a, oh yeah out of a 182 and i was like oh how the hell you guys do this this is insane man so much work (laughs) yeah and then you're like trying to get out and you just push the throttle in the engine turns off yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't think i ever did that but i know the horror stories 
Um, but my knees were all just bashed up from like trying to exit on my knees. I'm so short that if I sat down, I would never be able to get them out of the plane. You know, oh, like I just, yeah, I just yeah. like have such a hard time rolling them out. So I was like, I'm just going to do this on my knees and yeah. having to hook people up on your knees, like people who are taller than you. It's just ridiculous. It's so I, I leaned into it. You know, I had like that Benny open face helmet and just <laughs> like tandem goggles and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It was so much fun. More props to you, man. And especially, as, especially like if anybody doesn't know what Cam, who, who Cam is, Cam is like seven feet tall. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's doing this out of a 182. So like, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother level of difficulty there. Like trying to get all your limbs to do the right thing in that tiny yeah. little space. Like, yeah. I'm a lanky Prop, boy. Props sure. to you, man. Props to you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what made you want to transition over into the tunnel? I already know the answer, but like, what made you want to oh, transition man. over? Well, yeah, I had been flying um very early on when so many skydivers were like ah you don't need tunnel mm-hmm. you know and then here i am i get my a license and immediately have just hours of access to the tunnel mm-hmm. um and at that point in time there were only the sky venture tunnels you know the 12 foot mm-hmm. octagons like denver utah new hampshire and then i think arizona and that was it and so there were a very very small number of tunnel instructors Paris, in the too. country when I was getting into the sport. And so I was just like, that's how you get good. That's how you do all the stuff that's in Mike Wittenberg's videos and everything. Mm -hmm. And so Kevin Drevis posted a video on Instagram, building the tunnel in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I was immediately just like, Hey, can you get me a job there? And he was like, "Eh, maybe a CSR. So I was a CSR that first summer, I would be a CSR for five days and then drive to Minneapolis after my shift throw drugs for two days and then drive back to Chicago. So, but I was just like, I just have to do it. You know, six hour drive both ways. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. (laughs) Um, cool. Uh, how do you, how did you make the decision to just stick with this? Like, or was it just like a natural evolution? Like at what point did you realize this is like my life? I'm a lifer. I'm never going to get, I'm never going to stop doing this. This is part of who I am. Like, or was it a decision or did you just kind of like, did it just develop that way? No, I've definitely had some time periods where I have been like, okay, skydiving is going to take a backseat or something. And I don't have them anymore because every time that I've gone through that, mm-hmm. I just find myself not as happy and a little bit disconnected. And then I come back and I'm like, who are you kidding? This is great. This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and I, I try not to get too uh, you know, woo woo or sanctimonious about it, but it is, it is special, you know, um, it is a really cool sport because you're just surrounded by people that you have, you know, there are a lot of communities of people who will gather around like, Oh, we bought the same thing. So let's be friends now. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we like the same sports team or anything. And I'm not knocking those things, but there is a definite deep connection that you have with the people that you jump with, you know? Oh yeah. And so at this point, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do forever. So, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough um, yeah. to, to switch gears a little bit. Like, what do you like to do outside of skydiving, though? Like, what kind of hobbies are you into? Is it mostly flight related or is there are there other things? Ooh, um, I just try to stay active and stay healthy um, okay. into COVID. Just like everybody else, I got into riding bikes for a while. Okay. That was super fun. Um but no, I mean, most of, most of my hobbies revolve around skydiving, you know, Fair enough. Fair enough. but yeah. Uh, what do you like the most about skydiving and your, what is it like 12 years, 14, 13, 
No, it's got to mm, be more than that. It's uh, got to be like 15 now. A little over 15. Yeah. yeah. What I, do you like the most so much or so, so far about it? I like that I can travel, that I have friends all over the world that I have so much in common with. Mm-hmm. And it brings this whole new dimension into travel where you're like, oh, I could go to the UK. My friend Hannah lives there. And I let me hit up Hannah. And then even though I haven't seen this person in six months, we pick up where we left off and it's yeah. and it's amazing. Um, and I think that's really the coolest part, mm-hmm. you know, kind of relating to just some of the stuff I was talking about. You develop this deep connection with people mm-hmm. and they just tend to be these friends. I don't know how we find each other that are just friends that I couldn't develop that type of relationship out, outside of the sport somehow, you know. Yeah. But it's, I think that's my favorite part. I think I think there's something to be said about how small the small of a community it is worldwide. You know, like mm-hmm. skydiving in general, like what in the U.S. forty thousand members active at any given time, um, right? You know, and then you what double or triple that for worldwide stats? You know, mm-hmm. across across the across the world, and like if you think about how far and stretched thin we are, just on like a global scale, like you have friends everywhere. You know, it's not yeah. the same as like. It's not the same as like a million Vikings fans in, in Minnesota, you know, that are Absolutely. all stuck in the same, yeah. same 200 mile radius, you know, where they all, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know Absolutely. if that's a great analogy, but like, because we're all so stretched then we, sometimes we have to travel. We get to meet people that we otherwise wouldn't meet because of that travel, because of uh, those events and stuff. And like, we all go home and now we have friends in Wisconsin. We have friends in California. We have friends in Spain and Australia, right. you know, like all over the place. Um, and it, I think like the fact that it is such a small community means that we get to connect with each. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that. Yeah the right way but no absolutely i i think it's the small numbers and then also the fact that we share the risk assessment we all kind of share that psychological thing where we're like this is on the surface seemingly very risky but it is amazing it's the coolest thing in the world and so i'm going to do it and all of those people have come to that same conclusion and i think that Mm-hmm. might lead to the closeness. That's my best hypothesis. I don't know. Oh, no, it's fair. I just, um, I, I see and I make, I guess I have like work relationships with people who are outside of skydiving. I have friends from college and, and I, I guess like, I just see their, their, I don't know. I don't know what the word is like their bubble, I guess Yeah, know, their bubble of people. And it's so much more constricted in comparison to the people that I know in the skydiving world, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just so much more narrow, like that, that scope is so much more narrow. Like, and yeah. it's just, it's a commonality, I think, amongst people who have never been a part of this world for like a year or two years or an ex- I don't want to say extended period of time, but like, right. Of time. So yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. Yeah. When I, like, when I come back from a vacation, people are like, oh, how was your vacation? And I'm just like, I just did a 200 way attempt from mm-hmm. 20,000, you know, like, or something yeah. like that. And it does m- maybe make you a little bit more lonely with people who are not outside of that because it's mm-hmm. hard. It then becomes a little bit harder to connect, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the stuff you are passionate about. They have no context for it, you know? So you can't mm-hmm. really talk about, you can't, I mean, like when there's a group of us and we go to the bar at night, what do we talk about? We talk about fucking skydiving. Right. <laughs> <Like, laughs> exactly. We skydive all day long and then we go, we go to the bar and we're eating dinner and we're just still talking about skydiving. Like, so right. you get so 
in depth into that like routine of just constantly talking about this thing that like owns your life, you know, and yeah. you're super passionate about. And then you go off to someone who has no context and you're like, well, how do I, how do I people again? I don't know how I, right. how do I do that? You know? So yeah. I get it. I get it. Why it might be lonely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Interesting. Okay. So that's a really cool thing to, to bring up in terms of like the things that you enjoy is that your favorite things about skydiving. But on the other end of the spectrum, what are your least favorite things about skydiving? Are there any? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think if I had to dig for a pet peeve, it would be people who like try to let me give you an impression. You know, there's like a good, <laughs> there's a good way to ask like, Hey, what, what are you guys doing on this load? You know, but then all too often you get people that are like, what are you guys doing on this load? And you're like, yeah. okay, dude, like, you know, you, right. Yep. That is not, that's not about safety. That's about you trying to like, mm-hmm you know, beat your chest in this loading area. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that I spent so long, you know, I didn't have any money when I was getting into the sport for four years because it was just all going to college. And even though I did have some support, it was like 20 jumps a semester or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I definitely spent a lot of years being that guy that was like waddling up to the loading area with like an adjustable (laughs) harness and everything <laughs> and people are looking at me like oh boy you know mm-hmm. like it comes mr solo sit or something so i definitely that's probably something i don't like is like you know the chasm between somebody who can do anything that they want to in free fall is so huge like the last thing we need to do is be alienating people you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i get it um i feel like that's a I don't, I I hesitate to say it's a type of person that does that. Like it's a type of personality. It's a person, right? I feel like, Mm -hmm. I mean, so the more that I reflect on like my early days, the more that I learn about how to talk to people, how to communicate better, how to interact with like students and like, I want to say, I don't want to say like problem people, but people who have difficulty (laughs) learning (laughs) new skills, you know, like the more I learn how to interact with those people in a way that is conducive to learning, um, the more it makes me reflect on things that I did in the past, you know, and like the way that I handled situations in the past, Mm. I feel like to some extent, all young skydivers, you know, or maybe not all young skydivers, but like all skydivers between a certain age group, essentially, I feel like we all kind of get go through that at some point, you know, Yeah, Um, for sure, to some extent. So I I guess I hesitate to, to call it a personality overall, the more that I talk about about this particular topic too um on this on this podcast like the more versions or like the more perspectives I hear and I can kind of I, I feel like I'm kind of honing in on what it is specifically about this topic that bothers me and I think yeah. it's that like I think it's that like lack of maturity or lack of know-how that every single skydiver at some point <laughs> like has to deal with and yeah. doesn't even realize they're in it until they learn more and then they're like wow i was an asshole <laughs> like, oh, oh i'm so shit. guilty of that yeah you know yeah um but i i agree with you like that that's real irritating and it's frustrating when you point that out or when you talk to that person and you pull them aside and they're like no it's fine like no i was fine like nobody there's mm-hmm. a better way to do this <laughs> like, exactly there's yeah. a better yeah. way to get your point across trust me i was there i've done it i've done what you're doing and i'm and it makes me cringe now that i'm thinking about it like i know yeah. 
Yeah, I relive yeah. those moments over and over and always will. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know? so it's that anxiety that keeps you up late at night at like 2 a.m. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, this thing I did 10 years ago like just bothers totally. me so much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, What's the coolest, gnarliest, sky, craziest skydive you've ever been a part of? It's the Wiffle question. It's like the big one. We always get asked as tandem instructors under canopy. <laughs> oh, man. Um. I think the coolest one that I've ever done, I've, I've got to give it to the, the 2015 record mm -hmm. when we actually got it. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird feeling that thing that everybody talks about when you, you all land and you're like, we got it. Like yeah. we just know, you know, um, that was a really, really magical experience for me. That was by far the coolest thing and something that, I've been chasing ever since and that's mm -hmm. kept me so passionate about big ways and especially the world record ever since. Yeah. Um, that was really, really neat. Um, and it was kind of like a Cinderella story because I had just been doing all that driving, you know, tuned from the tunnel and I didn't really yeah. have a big name and I got my invite at the last chance camp and everything. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really wild that I like hung on to my slot. <laughs> because, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was it. Also Nalini's, thousandth jump was also pretty epic it was really cool do? we did we launched her like in a sandwich uh me and three other guys like just kind of launched her just hanging on in the middle and then people broke into that round head down and she uh -huh. got to like carve around and do a bunch of stunts in the middle oh, that's cool. and yeah so many thousandth jumps i mean you know how they go right they're yep. like oh we got this huge plan but it was like just simple enough that it was like the coolest jump I that's, loved it. That sounds pretty. Yeah. That sounds pretty neat. I like that. Um, yeah. The the record. How many? Mm -hmm. How many was that? Was that like one hundred and five or what was? I that? think it was like one fifty six. I think okay. we were shooting for one sixty four, and then it got cut down to like one fifty six. Okay. Yeah. So Wade Baird and I were just recording, and we were talking about. We were wondering out loud why skydivers don't repeat off skydiving stats the same way that they would like baseball stats. <laughs> or like you know what i mean like in the from, yeah. from past like your i was there the day they so and so hit the home run la da da and like the ninth yeah. inning or whatever you know like i it makes me wonder why that's not more of a thing i was like do we just need more people that are of that persuasion in our sport to do that is it because there's so few people in this or is it just because or is it the campfire you know, beers, you know, maybe, at the end of the day? that's it. I don't know. <laughs> I just like, like whenever someone brings up some, a story like that, like, yeah, this was, you know, like 10 years ago or however many years ago is my favorite jump in the world. Like because of X, Y, Z, all this stuff. I'm like, man, I feel like we need to step up our game in terms of stats so that more of us know what these big momentous events were, you know? Yeah. More of us know more about the history. Like we need to learn more and focus more on the history of our sport, you know? I, I love the sport history. Yeah. It's really cool. Have Maybe. you been have you seen the tables at Z Hills in the bar with all the yeah. old like articles in it? That yeah. that stuff. I love yeah. it. Yep. Gets me going. Um I it's been a hot minute since I've been to Z Hills, so I had to go back through the archives there for a second. <laughs> um Great easy. It is. A, it's a fantastic. Uh, does the is the alligator still out there in like the or the crocodile? I think whatever so. I bet there's is. more. They just made their pond like way bigger. So no, the um, there was a stuffed alligator. Out oh there yeah, the floating one. Yeah, yeah, that's still there. Okay, yeah. all right. It's like it was missing some teeth and like part of its part of its snoot at one point too. When I was was there last, I think so. I was like, 
I wonder, it's just sitting out there and baking in the sun. Just baking in the sun, yeah. Yeah, it was for a really long time. Um, well, it's good that, to hear that you like the history because maybe I'll, if you're feeling spicy and you're feeling up to it, I'll have you on again and we can go over like a, I don't Ooh. know. If you, I don't know if you listen to other podcasts like at all, if you're a podcast guy, but I'm I've, a big stuff you should know listener. Okay. Interesting. That's um, a great one. I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I listen to okay. a lot of like um, recaps on books you know, like podcasts mm-hmm. and movies and whatnot. Um, and a lot of them are structured in a way where one person is telling the other participants or the other hosts like about a specific topic. And they're Ooh. the other hosts are just sitting there talking like, Ooh, that's cool. Like, let me ask this question or build off of what you just said, you know, and um, the audience is listening to it and learning a little bit more about this specific topic that you're talking about. I don't know. Do you know Josh Evans of Denver? Oh yeah. Denver. Yeah. yeah. So he and his friend, shout out to Josh if he hears this, and shout out to Brett if he hears this. Um, they have a con- uh, uh, a podcast called the Con- Content Clearinghouse, um, where mm-hmm. they just talk to each other. They both pick a um, different topic every week, and they talk. They basically try and sell the other person on it, of like go and do this thing, you know. And they do a little yeah. bit of research about it. Anyway, so it's a cool podcast, but I kind of want to do something like that where, um some sort of skydiving top history topic you know to mm. educate the masses Ooh. um i've been doing couch tons freaks? And t- yeah I've, <laughs> dude couch freaks That'd everybody cool. in the last 10 years you don't know what you were missing couch freaks was insanity in skydiving man like yeah. pure insanity um you think stuff gets wild now oh no buddy oh no 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 <laughs> <laughs> you missed entire era <laughs> of pure chaos <laughs> I wish I had been around there like pre three ring, you know, just when stuff oh, was real wild and sketchy. I, I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff a little Fair bit. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, so I've been doing tons of research all summer long on mm-hmm. various topics, and I just haven't implemented any of it yet because I haven't found some like a person or a couple of people. It would be dumb if it were just me talking, you know, to, mm. to an empty room. I feel like it would be more exciting having somebody else there, but I'm trying to figure out which folks would want to um, invest in like an hour every right. now and then to sit and yeah. listen to me talk about something, you know? So we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, keep it in the back of your mind. Maybe. Um, hey, if this comes out and the sound of my own voice doesn't drive me like totally insane, then <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm game. Fair enough. All right. I'll keep it. I'll keep in mind. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So um, have you competed in skydiving? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So four years of collegiates and then Nalini and I did an MFS team in 2019. Mm -hmm. Super fun. Something we're hoping to pick up again in the future. And then I've also done a couple FLCPA meets. My best result was fourth in like the uh, the middle category. And that's it. That's all my competition experience. Okay. What made you want to start competing? Was it mostly just being driven from college or was it? Yeah, I had so much fun with it in college. Um, My free fly teammate, Dan Schirmeyer, and I got a couple of medals. We got a bronze and a silver. Mm -hmm. And what I took away from that was it just makes regular skydiving so much more fun and, you know, in a way safe. I always use like the resting heart rate analogy. Like if you can perform, at the level where you are doing a competition skydive and you're scoring points, then you are just going to be so much more relaxed and aware of, of what's going on on like your run of the mill Saturday zoo dive or like a boogie skydive or anything like that. And so I really like pushing the limits of skydiving so that 
um, you know, just things become easy and just more enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know? That's a really interesting analogy, actually. Um, the yeah. resting heart one. I've never heard anyone use that before. I like that. Nice. I might actually use that too. So yeah, you know, Jeremy Williams from mm-hmm. here, right? Absolutely. So Jeremy, Jeremy Williams and I are competing at indoor nationals this year, just kind of on like a whim. <laughs> we just decided to nice. do it. We're doing a yeah. two-way VFS team. We're training, like we're putting time into training and stuff. Um, we've got some coaching from Mike Silva. So like we're you know, we're, we're checking the box, but, yeah. but we're not being too serious, like too overly serious about it. Sure. You know? Yeah. You don't um, have to be, I think, yeah. but I think that's a good, good way to talk yourself out of like anxiousness, I guess, you know, or, yeah. or to kind of deflate that anxiousness that comes along with competition. Um, I saw a couple of first time competitive teams out at Midwest this year and, uh, or, or relatively new competitive teams and I think that a few of them struggled with like that anxiousness and the nerves of like the day of competition you know and maybe psych themselves out a little bit so figuring out how to like deflate that that anxiousness you know like that's a skill I I guess we don't even really think about that ahead of time either until we're presented with it either so yeah well that's my like hot take on tandems too people are like oh well you know I've got this many jumps no tandems And they kind of say it in a way like, you know, those don't count. And I'm like, well, you're responsible for not only your own life, but someone else's too. And so it definitely will, just like you said, help take the anxiety down of like a regular skydive when Mm -hmm. you don't have that you know, more complicated deployment system, a passenger who's completely unpredictable, Mm -hmm. uh, wing loading that is completely different from your last jump and everything like that. Like tandems count, you know? Yeah. Uh, they definitely help with your awareness and everything like that. And I definitely attribute my ability to, you know, stay on the 2015 record to how many tandems I was doing that summer. I was just mm-hmm. so comfortable in free fall. It was insane, you know. Well, I mean, on top of that, though, too, like you're conditioned in a way that like you're conditioned and your stamina is different. And you, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. turning turning tandem loads or like consistently every other like even every other load like those things. It's all it tires you out in a way that you're not, you're not prepared for when you first start doing it. You really have to acclimate yourself to that, that process. Like I can imagine how much more stamina you probably had versus like the average jumper who is on that record. Right. Um, so like in terms of like, are you tired? Are you, are you physically, you know, exhausted yet? Or are you just mentally exhausted because you're thinking about everything instead? Like, are you, do you have a leg up in that sense? You know, because you're used to the ups and the downs all day long and the putting your gear. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you know, like, are you used to all of the things that come along with intense skydiving? Um, And the answer is yes, because you have been doing it all summer long (laughs) or for years on end. So, yeah, like it definitely plays into I think it's a cop out to say say like well they don't really count like but they do they do yeah. if you think about it <laughs> absolutely totally i will argue that to the hill all right for sure yeah till you're blue in the face mm-hmm. um i think it's important to note that in your competition history you competed on a team for a while with your wife with Melanie. yes um yeah. you don't often see the spouse partner team done like efficiently and successfully and it's because there's a ton of bickering and there's a ton of nitpicking. Oh, Your yeah. relationship is so much closer than like the average just skydiver. You know, you live together, you eat together, you travel together. Like it is 
wildly different than the average team where you could separate and have time away from people <laughs> after, you know, <laughs> yeah. what could potentially be a bad day of training or something like that. Right. So yeah. how do you, how do you do it? Like, how do you keep it successful? Is there a trick to um, it or is it just, you guys just figure it out? I think, well, I mean, Nalini's like a super easygoing person, you know what I mean? And her personality definitely attributes a lot to our success. Yeah. And when we were, you know, I was also, we were on a team together, but then before when I was working at the tunnel, I was like her tunnel coach, her primary tunnel coach. Mm -hmm. And we would see other couples and it was like oil and water, you know, they've all the time, like people, you know, one of my best friends would be like, oh, my wife is coming into town. Can you coach her? I'm like, what's like, dude, you're better than me. <laughs> He's like, we don't, we don't work well together like that, yeah. but uh, we aren't. Well, we're both can very competitive people, but we aren't like overly competitive. And mm -hmm. I think the key is to not. This is a tough one. This is a tougher yeah. question to answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that's OK. It's an interesting one. But I think that we don't really get like a deep sense of value from like our result. OK. And we really like skydiving and training and MFS is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like the most fun discipline. It's taking off and i think it's going to be the big thing mm -hmm. um but i think that our success in that is just like we're not going to tie each other's value to like our result or performance and then you just have to know what each other's kind of tells are and mm -hmm. then know okay you know what maybe for the team it would be good if we did this for the rest of the day and just drilled this single mm -hmm. uh you know transition or block or something for the rest of the day mm -hmm. but for our relationship we're gonna take a step back and like mm -hmm. you know chill out a little bit and just kind of remind ourselves that it's primarily for fun yeah so good communication skills right yeah yeah communication skills clear expectations i would say these are a lot of things that will make a successful team period you know mm -hmm. being honest with what you want you know if one teammate's like i'm not gonna be happy unless we're in first and all the other teammates are like, I'm just here to get better at flying. You know, it's not, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting. Okay. Um, sorry, I had a thought and then it escaped my no. brain. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. We're just going to move on. If I think of it, I will bring Should it back we take later. a break? Should we take no, a commercial no, no, break? No, no, no. We're, we're okay. Do you need one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go into commercial break. Okay. Commercial break. <laughs> hey there, fellow thrill seekers. <laughs> Are you ready to take a leap back in time while taking a literal leap into the sky? Well, do I have a treat for you today? It's time to discover the ultimate throwback in the world of skydiving with our amazing sponsor, Racer. Wait, did I just say Racer? Yes, you heard it right. We're talking about skydiving technology that's so old. It'll make you feel like you're soaring through the skies with the pioneers of the sport. Picture this. No fancy gizmos. No skyhooks. Just the good old days of skydiving. Remember the World Freefall Convention? Couch freaks and the thrill of taking that leap. Racer brings back the essence of those times, but with a modern twist. With Racer's vintage inspired skydiving containers, you can experience the adrenaline rust of yesteryear, all while keeping some, mo some modern safety standards intact. These containers are the perfect blend of retro aesthetics and reasonably safe technology. It's like stepping into a time machine. And here's the kicker, listeners when you order a Racer today and use our exclusive discount code FUNNEL, to receive a whopping 15% off your purchase, 
That's right. You'll get 15% off an experience that'll take you to the golden age of skydiving. So use code FUNNEL, that's F-U-N-N-E-L, to get 15% off your racer today. So anyway, Tioni Coppers can't <laughs> keep it together. I was so ridiculous. All right. Do you have any competition plans for the future? Uh, what do you, what? What's going on? You all right over there? Yeah. Epic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this year I am either going to bid a bunch of the FLCPA meets. I'm sorry, US CPA meets off or just call in sick for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because swooping is super fun. Just like Rich, I was telling you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And I have managed to uh, acquire some ankle braces. And, you know, I think I'm going to sew like an RDS pocket onto my shorts. Okay. So um, Richo and the other swoopers should hopefully talk to me this time around. Um, I'm still acquiring a jersey. Okay. But, you know, I've got some time. The first meet isn't until March. So, yeah, Kurt Bartholomew makes fun of me because I, I push my rears out like a free flyer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to prove to him that I can just pull him down like a swooper guy, you know. All right. So those are my goals in FLCPA is just pull my rear straight down. Okay. And then, um, you know, not vert too many times. Got it. And then I'll count that as a win for sure, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I get to see Minnie. She's such a great dog. I love that dog. Minnie. Minnie's Kurt and Jeannie's dog. Oh. Horrible. She hates okay. applause. So she just freaks out whenever they're announcing the winners. Just seizes or or what? Uh, she just starts barking. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe that's, she's yeah. just trying to hype everybody up. We don't know. That could be it. You know? that could yeah. be it. That's, she's adding to the den. Uh, well, that's yeah. cool. Competition. I and mean, then maybe maybe MFS too in September, depending yeah. on how you know our work um, plays out. Love to get back into it. You know. Uh, I mean, nationals are in Chicago this year, so. Oh, I love Sky of Chicago. Yeah. Bring it's it such back a good home. Spot. Bring I it back know. home for a little bit. I know. Yeah. yeah. That'd be yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was gonna say if you guys are gonna be in Chicago, then like I'll come down and see you guys. Like it's right in the backyard. Yeah. Well, definitely Summerfest. Hmm? Okay. Bob's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, let's talk about Summerfest for a second. I didn't Ooh. have that on the list, but we need to talk about Summerfest. What happened oh, okay. to Summerfest? This oh, I was you, the Cam. opening DJ somehow, which was <laughs> hilarious. It was so funny. So the way that our schedules were playing out for 2023, it looked like we were going to miss like literally every boogie. Mm-hmm. And so do you remember that like end of the Sebastian season skydiving party that I told you about? Yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, let's make it a rager. And I'm good friends with uh, Morgan who runs the zoo bar. She's like, all right, I'm down. Whatever. Let's do it. And so I learned how to DJ for that party. And it was Keen Sanieta themed because it was my 15 years in skydiving. And so I learned how to DJ just for that party. And we had a blast. It was an amazing party. And then like right in the middle of it at like 1 a.m. There was a SpaceX launch. Mm -hmm. So we we like decorated the whole Zubar deck with like this canopy and fairy lights and Mm -hmm. and, like a smoke machine and a disco ball and everything. And then there's a SpaceX launch right in the middle of it. It was such a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect and uh, one of my, yeah, one of my really good, like, tight friends in skydiving is Andrew Hermitat. And everybody would know, like, he DJs every year. He's an awesome DJ. So good. And I guess he must have said something to Rick Nelson. And, and Rick and I talk a bunch, you know, because I'm I'm kind of like a little bit of a de facto FAA liaison for, like, Sebastian and mm-hmm. and uh, the Scott of Chicago planes. 
and Rook just hit me up like a few weeks before Summerfest and was like, hey, what are your plans for Summerfest? And I was like, um, my leave got denied, so I don't think I'm going to go. And he's like, oh, that's a shame because, you know, I was hoping you would DJ. And I'm like, all right, whatever, I'm calling in sick. <laughs> you know, let's do this. <laughs> so I did a little um, Amazon rental of this really high quality DJ gear, the same mm-hmm. stuff that Emery was going to be playing. Mm-hmm. And I just like threw the set together and I was, I'm really happy with the way the set was. It was just such such a good time you know i mean Summerfest is amazing and that was like to me a big you know to me that's like a big skydiving accomplishment djing at Summerfest. it's like you know that's that's pretty rad i mean that's huge that's huge man it's the whole vibe of like the michael wittenberg videos that i grew up on where they're all just like free flying <laughs> and their liquid skies and everything i don't know i think that era would approve so. It's a whole nother like it's a whole nother job ab- like a revenue for you. You know, there's a whole nother aspect <laughs> of like your life to curate now. What do you yeah. what what's your DJ name? Do you have a DJ name? Oof, man, I gotta think of one. Well, I, you um, don't have a DJ name? I don't. So I DJed at Halloween in Sebastian and it was like all super last minute. I didn't even know I was DJing until like a week before. So like for mm-hmm. a stand, I borrowed mm-hmm. in air quotes uh Curtain Genie's microwave. They don't know this, but Maybe they'll find out. And I put all the equipment on their microwave. So so some of my friends are like, oh, you're DJ microwave now. But we'll see if that sticks. I don't know. Microwave. Not entirely sold. Microwave. They, they said that seen... too. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, have you seen that that video? Like that made the rounds like a year ago, the microwave. Robin. Oh, man. That's yes. Yeah. And you know what? If you wanted to take an extra step further, you know how like all the big major DJs have like a mask of some sort? Yours could just be a fucking microwave head. A microwave. Like, you could just that could be your thing. And My like that would be huge. Your yeah. your your ridiculous like thing that would happen is the door would just keep coming open and you'd see your face <laughs> and you'd have to like mid set shut it or close it, you know, on a that, that shit would be hilarious. Yeah. Or you could do like the head flip and just like flip it shut, you know? <laughs> Just or just like do what the Stevie Aoki and just like throw it at someone, you know? Yes, yeah. Just deck somebody with a microwave. Sure, sure. I mean, it doesn't have to be an actual microwave. Might, you can, you might can kill make the like vibe. a light. You can make a light version of it. Yeah. Or take the take the motor out the pack, you know, so you lightens it quite a bit. Yeah. But just saying. But shit would be red. <laughs> yeah. I think that should. I be... don't know what's next. I mean, like, I guess I have to get. I have to try to get like an invite onto core now. You know what I mean? That's like mm-hmm. the trifecta of Scott of Chicago accolades, like world record DJ Summerfest <laughs> SDC core team member. There you go. Check if I have that, <laughs> it's like, hey, Rick, move over. You know, like this is kind of my spot now. So that's going to be the title of this episode. We'll by see. The way. We'll see what he says. What's that? That's going to be the title of this episode is DJ microwave. microwave. I'm going to. Gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it that. That's gonna be it. Excellent. It's gonna be good. Great. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about big ways. Let's talk about some of the more notable mm. events. Um, you okay. talked briefly about uh the first big record you were at, right? Um mm-hmm. what other kind of events though did you do leading up to that? Did you get into sequential or did have you done sequentials? Is it mostly just records that you're pursuing? Is it uh like um what's the what's the word i want to use like further like ex- kind of exploratory stuff at all like or is it what what is it about big ways that you really enjoy um i like the sense of like concrete accomplishment like we either got it or we didn't you okay. know 
And I like that big ways and specifically vertical flying is just so physically involved. You know, you've got to be a little bit tough. Like you can't be like a fragile Mm -hmm. flyer. You've got to take some hits and just kind of keep going with it, you know? Um, And we have, I guess, in terms of uh, what I have going on with like sequentials and everything, we have such a big concentration of really good vertical flyers in Florida. You know, the average Saturday, we have 10 people who could be doing formations on their head. But it's really tough because we're all friends and nobody wants to be like, hey, this is what we're doing. And so our friend group has kind of flirted with the idea of doing something more organized. And we we have been doing a couple more organized things. Yano and Keith Commander uh, have put together some really, really awesome events where we do like, you know, bigger stuff when we get more altitude and we have a lot of fun with that. Um, what I'm looking to do in the future is maybe organize something myself where we're doing either one or two plane shots and it's a little bit more of a concrete plan um because so many of the people that i'm jumping with like to have as much if not more uh skydiving experience than me you know ricardo uribe who i jump with he was has been jumping down here since the skydive america days mm-hmm. you know um and so everybody's very hesitant to be like you know what i'm going to take a leading role but i think that we all are kind of looking for that structure. And -hmm. I think that on the spectrum of, you know, the ax is sharp, everybody's getting cut every other jump and like our typical Saturday, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, let's do something fun. Let's do something where we all get to practice flying. I think there's a middle ground that we're all kind of looking for. And I think uh, over the spring in the summer and in the fall, we're going to start doing some stuff in Florida. That's going to be pretty cool because I mean, just like everybody else, we see the echelon stuff and we're like, ah, oh, that's amazing. You know, yeah. it's super cool. And we have been doing, you know, our own little 3d formations at the event that I just mentioned with Yano and we're having a lot of success with that. And that's really fun. You know, I think if you can find a balance between, um, organization and inclusivity, mm-hmm that's really cool. And that's kind of what we have going on in Florida. We, um, have some really, really creative people, uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Enderly, Alex Lepson, the whole start skydiving crew, mm-hmm. they have put together some of the coolest looking jumps that have like belly flying and, and sit flying and head down all in one. And Tyler Romer's another one who's, whose creativity is amazing. And Yano, obviously, of course, he's been organizing for us. And so, you know, it's California is across the country. That's a really far way away. I love all those guys. And, um, you know, Midwest has also been putting, I mean, you guys have been putting together really, really cool stuff too. And I would like to have something like that for the Florida free fly crew. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't really done a lot of sequentials because I'm really enjoying boogies. Honestly, you know, I love a good time. I love, I think in the 20 teens, everybody was all about skills camps and I'm having a really good time at boogies. Some of the jumps that I've been able to be a part of like at Summerfest are just amazing. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I dedicate a lot of time to just being at boogies where I know my friends are going to be. Okay. And that's at the expense of some of the other events. But I think to fill that gap, I want to host some stuff in either Sebastian or Deland um moving forward and i'm just psyched for the next vertical world record attempt i love it mm-hmm. you know and I, and I have faith and i think we're gonna get it and everybody's like putting in the work it seems like in the off season to really you know have everything dialed in for the next attempt so mm-hmm. i i mean in terms of that record in particular that attempt uh matt fry was just out at midwest last summer um and i got to see 
um, from afar uh, what the new method was or what the, the method that they're yeah. testing was. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like they're going back to kind of some belly some some belly formations oh, or man. yeah like and it makes so much sense the, yeah 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 and and it makes so much sense because like you know some of the best organizing i've ever seen is by doug Barron, hands mm-hmm. down like what he's able to do with people who like might not have a lot of tunnel time maybe only have like an hour in the tunnel or something like that with how they brief and debrief you know we Oh, it, as a free fly community, we owe it to ourselves to like look to see what are the belly flyers doing because they can do so much with people who spend <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars less in the tunnel. Um, and they have just enormous success. So it's really smart to be looking to the belly flyers, you know, because their techniques predate the tunnel. The the way that belly flyers organize um is harkens back to the days of when RW was just taking over from style and accuracy, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, much respect for, for, and, and for Matt and the people that are just like, like I said, putting in the work, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens and how it's going to be different than the previous attempts, you know, like, I can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see what happens with that. I feel like it's experimental to some, some extent or some extent at the, at the moment, like they're trying to figure out what's going to work uh, the best and the, and the most seamless, but I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see uh, where it goes and, and how successful it is, you know, yeah. it's next year, right? It's next summer. Uh, is it 2025? I, I think. can't remember. I, can't. I think it's 2025. So we'll start seeing stuff like towards the end of the year. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, like camps and and stuff, but that's another reason why I want to do events that are a la echelon or whatever mm-hmm. you know Matt Fry and uh, Katie are doing, um, just to get people psyched on vertical flying because it's really, really fun, you know. And I don't get me wrong, I love angle flying. It's awesome, you know. It's just so fun to go for a nice little cruise at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, or turn a couple points and then go for a rip. Yeah. But world records i have this really really soft spot in my heart for relative work mm-hmm. vertical or otherwise and i think it's the coolest thing in the world you yeah. know the people who were jumping out of dc3s in the 60s and 70s and they're just mm-hmm. like you know what instead of trying to do the most amount of flips before i land on this accuracy target huh. we're just all going to hold hands and look at each other and be like yeah you know like that's <laughs> that's really cool you know <laughs> yeah um so yeah, I think we're definitely going to have some success in the future because everybody wants it. You know, everybody's feelings were a little bit hurt. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of things going on. The tunnels, we've got less access to tunnels and less access to some of the people who've been coaching for years in tunnels. Um, angle flying is very popular. Wings feeding is very popular. Mm-hmm. And so it is very hard. And, and I do think we're getting to a point where it's going to be exponentially harder, but I think we're going to pull it together. I'm really yeah. psyched for it. Yeah. You know? I think you kind of covered all the bases there in that little end snippet about how, like, like where the, tr- what, what to expect moving forward in terms of progress, like yeah. um, with this, like the tunnel game being what it is these days, like Yuck. it's so much harder. <laughs> I agree. You can't. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. We, could, we could talk about it until we're blue in the face, man. I know. We could, yeah, we right. could go and go and go, but we ain't gonna. We ain't gonna. For sure. For sure. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like what, like the, the tunnel game being what it is these days, like it's going to set the next generation of skydivers back a little bit. 
in terms of mm. progress, you know, yeah. um, there were a few years there where we were just like accelerating and accelerating and like the, the foot was on the gas pedal. And now it's suddenly like, we're breaking hard because we have to, and there's nothing we can do about it because, you know, it's so much harder to get that tunnel time these days on top of that. Like we don't have the, the, um, the leadership or the instructors or the knowledge to pat, like we just don't have people to pass that knowledge down in the same way that we were for, for years mm-hmm. and years. So it's just going to stunt the next generation of skydivers. Unfortunately, um, it's going to, I don't want to say stunt, but it, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have to stop where we are. Like we're not going to be able to like continue to progress, you know, and then with people yeah. phasing out every year, you know, and people leaving the sport or not being as active in the sport, you're just going to see less and less of those people who are, yeah, you know, just, it's un, it's unfortunate, but yeah. But you know, <laughs> as long as we're nice to people in the living area, yeah, right. And we yeah. ask them what they're doing in a nice way. Be nice to people, then they'll guys. then they'll be on the record. Yeah, be nice. To <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to what you were saying about three D dives, about um organizing Ooh. more three D events. Uh, okay. I feel like, and and this is an this. I hope. I guess. I hope that this is kind of the next evolution of skydiving. Like this mm-hmm. is the next like discipline that we see MFS flying 3d, 3d flying. It's kind of one in the same because MFS kind of encompasses all the different disciplines, you know, or all the, yeah. all the, all the different static disciplines. And I feel like 3d dives, like you have to be able to do all of them in order to you know, do all of the static things at the very least, if not some of the dynamic movements, like the transitions and whatnot to get from point A to point B on those jumps. Um, I feel like 3d skydives, would have been the next evolution of skydiving had the tunnel game continued the way it was it had been yeah where it was becoming mm-hmm. more and more accessible to a wider wider net of skydivers um i feel like that would have been i hope i hope i hope i hope that it still is but i feel like the more and more i talk to people about this about mfs and the more my eyes is, are open to to it as a discipline like i feel like that would have been the next thing that took off in skydiving. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh no. I mean, I think, I think there's still room for creativity. I think some of the most creative jumps that I've seen are coming out of this crew at start skydiving. Mm-hmm. One of the videos I saw of them recently, they built like a belly accordion mm-hmm. and then they closed the two ends and everybody that was facing one way went to head down. Everybody that was there to head up. And even though it's just like a slight riff, Mm-hmm. on you know kind of like a classic jump there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do you know what they do at echelon with like the different levels and going above and uh, and below and everything is super cool um but there's also room for creativity in terms of incorporating belly and back mm-hmm. into skydives um and still having it be really successful um that's really fun and then all the flocking stuff is super fun you know mm-hmm. i've gotten one of the people that i became tight friends with in college was uh, matt leonard And so I was lucky enough to be like kind of his test dummy for the first, you know, uh, flock and flow. And I went to a bunch after that. And then it was, of course, one of those things where like COVID happened and, it was, you know, like schedules and everything. But Mm -hmm. that stuff is super cool. Really, really fun. Can it be can it be flying in a dynamic way where you're, you know, always doing something and people are going different directions and whizzing right by it? It's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know how that ties into like the record stuff per se, but there's definitely some really creative outlets that we still have. You know? I mean, 
we don't have to talk about big ways. We can talk about being creative in the sky. That's kind of what I like about these episodes about this podcast. Like, it's not so formal that we have to stick to a, like, you know, we stick to a script. Mm. It's like wherever the conversation goes, it goes. Like, sure. if there are specific things you want to talk about, we can definitely touch on those things. But like, it's like kind of a, ca- like kind of a yeah. casual like i guess the intention is always to be more of like talking around the bonfire you know and mm. less less in like a i'm interviewing said person and i have 20 questions i need to ask you you know sure to my t- you know what i mean so like i we can go off on whatever tangent you want well, that, really <laughs> that plays to my set of skills which is being like pretty mediocre at everything you know, <laughs> I've, I've been a participant in all these events, but I'm not putting any together. You know, I'm not, I'm not really like, you know, plain captain of anything. Yeah, so same. yeah, done a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a Renaissance man. Yeah. You're a re- you're That's a, a nice way man. to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. You're, you're qualified for all of the things. Master right. of none, but qualified for all the things. Exactly. Renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know, creativity and skydiving, right? Like being able to be that creative where you can visualize and think of these things and like have them make sense in your brain. I wish I had that. I mm. it was one of those things like I was like, I have it, I have it, I do. Like, no, you don't have it, you don't have it. <laughs> like it's not a thing that you have. You are that's not one of your you have to like write things down and like draw it out in order for you to understand and comprehend the pieces. Like that was one thing I learned about myself at the tunnel was that yeah. I had you could tell it to me. It would go in one ear and out the other. Like I would not understand what it was you wanted me to do until I saw you do it. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. I understand. But like in terms of like putting pieces together and have them like, uh, man, when was, when was it? David San Pedro came out. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah. DSP. Yeah. yeah, DSP. Great dude. He came. I love him. He's fantastic. That was probably the most fun I've had on the drop zone in a long time. Uh, He came out. Uh, for Fourth of July, two two summers ago at Skydive Twin Cities, he he is the he is such a fun guy. I I absolutely love him. Uh, and he put together a couple of like small, uh, 3D dives, you know. And it was one of the first instances where I got to try it. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like I love this. It was it was like some belly stuff, like transitioning over your feet onto your sit or into your sit and then doing like a full layout into head down and like building some points and like some static stuff. And it was just, it was absolutely amazing. But I remember when he was telling me what we were going to be doing on the skydive, like on the ground, we're in the loading area, we're geared up, we're ready. We're trying to dive or break, like uh, brief the dive flow. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Am I going over my head for this part? Am I going over my feet? Like what? I don't, I don't get it. It didn't compute. Yeah, you're just playing it cool yeah. and letting it. So oh, like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm in the plane. Like, and Brad, my friend, my friend Brad is sitting next to me being like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I just, I'm trying to visualize like with my <laughs> Nothing, fingers. I got it. I'm like, like do it. It's, I wish I had the ability to conceptualize new, um, new dive flows and new ideas like that but that's mm. it's not me unfortunately you gotta yeah. start holding like a power ranger like a little <laughs> thing so you can like just kind of do it out physically yeah, right? and be like all right i'm this figurine tell me what to do right i'm gonna keep them in my skydiving pocket in my suit pocket so that i can just break them out in the yeah plane. you know you know the ones great with for all mfs or diving yeah, too yeah like just break them out in the plane so if i'm stuck on something i just be like eh. Oh, here we go. Here's how it's going to happen. Yeah. Fantastic. DSP, show me the ways. Why do you carry Those... the pink ranger with you, Sam? Like, that's a good <laughs> question. Like, let me tell you. Um, Those type of dives, too, 
also lend themselves. I feel like younger jumpers, they're like, oh, I want to free fly. Mm -hmm. And then there's like this big chasm between belly flying and then free flying because a lot of the people who are organizing belly jumps are just like, I'm just going to do variations of the four-way sequential formation die full. Yeah. But there's definitely some of the most fun jumps I've had are with newer jumpers. We're like, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to build this round and then everybody's going to do a backflip yeah and fly back together and mm -hmm. when you can incorporate that kind of stuff it's a really good way to like draw in the newer jumpers too and they're like oh man i never do i could do all that stuff and it's like yeah it's not against the rules you know mm -hmm. it's just not at the forefront of people's minds when they're putting together belly jumps because they're like oh we're gonna do a j and then we're gonna do you know i don't know a meeker and then blah 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 and it's like mm -hmm. no you know you can you can get a little funky with the yep. belly flying oh yeah i i um I think that's where I feel the burnout the most often too with fun jumping is like doing the same shit over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I've done this. Like I've been here. I don't want to waste another $30 on something I did, you know, two days ago. Like, let's do something sure. a little different. Let's try, let's like throw, you know, a, a barrel roll into this. Like, Oh man, do you remember that? Um, do you, So your friend, Michael, the train conductor, do you remember him? Yeah. 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 So, so you remember when he came out and we did like a four-way, I think, belly jump at Skydive Twin Cities at one point. And we were yeah. there was there was a I think you had just thrown in there. We were we had formed a round and we did like a couple other points. And then you were like, and everyone throw a transition. Pick your transition. Do whatever you want to <laughs> do. It doesn't matter what the transition that is. Sounds Front like my flip, organizing. Backflip, yeah. barrel roll, whatever, right? <laughs> like the video is. I do a barrel roll and everybody else does like different things, but that was like a fantastic fun jump that sticks out yeah. in my mind in terms of like, just that casual, like, let's just throw something new in there that we don't typically do is a fantastic. Everyone was smiling, fantastic jump. Like everyone had a good time. It was great. Yeah. It it's important to not get so caught up in like the success of a jump mm -hmm. because I like to organize where I'm like, okay, yeah if we chunked out six people instead of two and everybody else was a floater, this would build a lot faster, no doubt. Mm -hmm. However, I'm just going to be in the base with one other person. Half the people are going to dive. Half the people are going to float. Everybody's yeah. going to be flying. And then, you know, me and the other person are going to do a full Eagle on exit mm -hmm. in the base, you know, or something like that. And then for the rest of the jump, it doesn't really matter because we've all had so much fun. Like people are getting to dive and race each other. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were holding hands out the door and laughing about it and stuff like that. Um, and I definitely, obviously competing ever since, you know, a month after I got my A license, like I see the merit in pushing yourself, obviously. Yeah. I love that. But also having fun on fun jumps and just kind of building things so that everybody gets a chance to fly. And if you can go a step further and make it so that, if somebody's messing up, we're not all necessarily waiting on them. That's mm -hmm. like a really good organization, I think. Yeah. You know? Yep. Man, organizing is an art form all on its own. Good organizers are few and far in between, you know? And when I say, I don't, yeah. okay, I shouldn't say good. Like the genius organizers, you know? Yeah. Like few and far in between, man. Like a Tell good you. organizer, or a good coach will change your fucking life absolutely you get to skydive with them so yeah. yeah and again shout out to doug baron like he is just such a good organizer like mm -hmm. it's insane mm -hmm. um but yeah especially with coaching too yeah you know and also a lot of the times it's not necessarily the person that's the best flyer yeah you know yeah um 
the person who it's the person who can talk to a, a million different people, like different types of personalities that like Yeah, and sometimes yeah. exactly. And it's mm-hmm. and it's the person who has taken somebody through these levels before. Yeah. You know, have have you coached somebody who's currently in my shoes to the to the point that I'm hoping to get to, to mm-hmm. my goal? Right. Have you um you know, is are you just like a one trick pony? Are you all about this style of because I'm I'm going to be real. Like I'm a huge advocate for like the old school sky venture progression in terms mm-hmm. of tunnel, you know, where it's like, you know what, what does everybody want to do? They want to get to the point where they can turn points on their head because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick, you know, yep. and you can do all the flowy dynamic stuff all you want in the tunnel to a certain point. And like, it's not really going to make you that much better at like belly angle flying, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. There are a lot of people, I'm going to get a lot of kickback for that, but <laughs> I, it, there used to be a time where it was like, you know, oh, what's a good like metric? And generally the metric was like, eh, about 10 hours, you should be flying on your head, mm-hmm. you know? And with Nalini, when, when we were coaching, she was like, I want to be on head done, head down jumps with you. Mm-hmm. And we did kind of like the classic sky venture progression. And my theory was like, look, I'm going to get you to the point where you can be on any skydive that you want to be on. And then we'll go back and we'll polish everything later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not going to be upset or missing out on any skydives because you can't do a full breaker, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm struggling to imagine. I'm trying to redeem myself and say that I had like a thesis or a point here. <laughs> but it's currently escaping me. Um, but no. I, I guess I, I guess my thesis would be if you're only going to do like 10 hours of tunnel time, let mm-hmm. your coach know that and just be like, hey, look. I know you specialize in X, Y, Z, but like, I'm not going to be putting in a hundred hours of tunnel time this yeah. year, yep. you know, like, Hey, you're, if you're a staff engineer at Google and you want to crank out a hundred hours in a year and like, just be doing all the flowy stuff, like Full send. go to town, <laughs> you know, but also if you're just like an 18 year old skydiver and you're like, I just want to be on the head down jumps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a matter of goal setting, you know, and unfortunately when you're a young skydiver, you don't really know what the big wide expanse of skydiving has to offer you, you know, in yeah. ter- like in terms of directions and where you want to go, you know, like that doesn't come until a little later. I feel I like for a lot of people um, where they really figure out like, Hey, where do I want to go with this sport? What do I want to do? Like, what are mm. my goals? Right. And but as soon unfortunately, as can- so many of them are like wingsuiting, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am I I love talking about wingsuiting. I don't have any interest in wingsuiting. So it's oh, yeah, it's a <laughs> I have no problem listening to other people talk about it and like I'd love to learn about it, but I just don't it's not for me. Like I'm straight jackets, I'm good. I'm good. No, thank you. Yeah, hell yeah, sister. <laughs> uh anyway, not to say that I mean, you know, just to be just to be clear, like you like no, wingsuiting? I, Fantastic. Go good for you. I'm a jerk and I totally derailed you to get like a dig in on wingsuiters, but you were saying uh, <laughs> like people are looking for their kind of niche. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, knowing what goal you want to go after, uh, and establishing that from the get-go is going to be the thing that helps you streamline the process as much as you can. You know, um, that was something that was really, really big at iFly Minneapolis is figure out what you want, figure out what you want to do. Like, where do you want to go? You know, you saw mm-hmm. so many people or you see so many people just like meandering through the process, like not really knowing what it is they want to do or why they're doing specific things in the order that they're doing them. Yeah. Figure out whatever that end goal is, like whatever that goal is, figure it out. 
tell your coach, tell your instructors, talk to your fellow skydivers and figure out how to get there from point A to point B the fastest, you know, or like What's, most efficiently. What would you say today is like the end goal for you? What is you? For me? God. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you had asked me that five years ago, it would have been like, I want to be able to do all the things. I want to be able to fly mm -hmm. in every orientation. Like I want to be able to do all the stuff. And now I'm here and I can do that. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be like, some of it's not great, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sure. very much a mediocre at all <laughs> master of maybe like a couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, that was my immediate, that was my immediate goal going to the tunnel was like, I want to be good at all the things. Um, it ended up shifting into like, I want to be the best coach that I can be. I want to be the best teacher that I can be in skydiving. I feel like I am making i have made great steps towards that goal in my personal opinion you're never done learning as a coach you're never done mm -hmm. learning and like tweaking your methods and like adapting to new teaching styles or personality types in terms of students but that would have been like one of my major goals a few a few uh a few years ago um i would say it's still back there it's still in the back of my mind um I really want to compete. I really want to just try and compete. Mm. Like that's kind of a big major goal for me is I want to do it at least a couple of years, a couple of years of com competition. Um, and that's, that's kind of like a major, that's like, I think the, the most major one for me right now, uh, this, like this podcast. <laughs> so epic. Love <laughs> just it. decided to start it. It wasn't really a goal. It was just like, you know, you know, it'd be fun doing, doing fucking episodes with people, you know? From DJing. <laughs> yeah, DJing. <laughs> that would be great. Uh that sounds fun. Like I think I could do that. I think I could pull that off. Um I think creating, I don't know. It's kind of not I I would like to be on an MFS team at some point, but finding somebody else who can match my flying skills, you mm -hmm. know, and has the time and the money and the effort and the desire to want to chase that you know like that's hard yeah like you know that that's hard um yeah i think i would like to be on an mfs team at some point even if it's just like one of those casual ones i think okay i that's a better way to to put this i want to i want to be on a team i want to compete um in a vertical you know in some sort of vertical discipline or in mfs um but i don't want to have to take it too seriously if that mm. makes sense like i don't want yeah, to of course I don't want it to have it run my life. You know, I want to try it and see what it's like and see if it's something that I am enjoying and then I can adjust goals from there. But that's definitely like somewhere out there on the horizon. Like give that a shot, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I, I think like turning this into something more solidified, something more serious, I think like this. Well, you already read our first commercial, you know, yeah, so we yeah. got that down. Big steps, <laughs> big steps. Uh, oh man, that was, that was so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so unexpected too. So unexpected. I'm going to have hey, to Hey, if start... I'm going to podcast, I'm going to podcast. You know? <laughs> if I'm going to, if I'm going to DJ, I'm going to DJ at Summerfest. You know? I should, I should make that a thing where I just make up the most ridiculous fucking advertisements <laughs> and throw them in here, you know, randomly yeah. just to make people, man, that's a good but idea. Like, for I'm Argus just, AAD or something. Yeah, right? Something that's no longer a thing, like paracommanders yeah. or what are the the thunderhead? Like what were the what were the the triangle parachutes back in the day? What were they? Ooh, par you know oh shoot. Were they thunderheads um, or something? No, it was remember. like uh paracommanders? I forget. Nah, uh, was a paracommander a 
was that the triangle one or one of the round ones? I, I think remember. it was one of the round ones. I can't remember. Anyway, um, makeup's the most like stupid, <laughs> the, the dumbest. No, just get some sponsors in here. Exist. You got a ton of listeners. Well, I saw your other, Spotify wrapped. That's the other thing too. Is I like see that's, you. That in terms of like making it more serious or like being more serious about it, putting more effort into it, um, yeah. like reaching out to sponsors, reaching out to uh, advertising, you know, ideas, um, trying to put out like an official look for this so people know what it is as soon as they look at it, you know, brand like rebranded essentially into something a little bit more uh, permanent, you know, cool. um, possibly merchandising, but nice. that's like a that's a little ways out yet. So awesome. anyway, that would be, that would be another goal, I guess. It took off in a way that I wasn't expecting. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's what's fun about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, anyway, what about you? What are some of your immediate goals for the future? Like, what do you want to do in the next few years? Oh man. Uh, definitely get back to competing in MFS because we had such momentum. We were like about to bump up to open class and we were just really ripping. Definitely get back to that. Mm-hmm. Goal of mine is to medal in FLCPA for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, self-deprecating jokes aside, like I'm pretty decent <laughs> at it. You know, I was very close to getting third at that one meet. And um, I want to maybe get back into dabbling in organizing because it is okay. something that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a lot of years of just kind of enjoying the fruits of my dedication to the sport by jumping with all of my close friends and people that I love and going to do really cool stuff. Yeah. And I would love to get back to the point where I'm like paint it forward a little bit, just having a lot of fun. I love teaching, you know, yeah. and it's definitely having the coaching taken away from me by iFly was, uh, it's left a hole, you know, yeah, a little bit, you know, I love teaching and I think I teach well in high pressure environments, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a trainer, I'm an air traffic controller trainer. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of my training success is just interpreting the trainee's energy and just kind of acting accordingly, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I want to be able to do that with in skydiving again. Yeah. But also just having the most fun at boogies. I just want to be the one that has the most fun at anybody. I love boogies. I love <laughs> jumping and talking about all our skydives with my friends mm-hmm. and throwing a big party at the end of it. And just having a good time. Mm-hmm. Love that. I, uh, I, I mean, if anybody, if anybody meets Cam after this episode and knows, knows like, like, here's the name and goes up and said, like, you should absolutely go up and say hello. Cause he is the life of the Hit party. Up. I've been on, <laughs> I've been at a few parties with Cam and, uh, it is hysterical what, what ends up happening. So like, you should absolutely go say hello in that, in that Do scenario. It. They're going to show yeah. you a good time. He'll show you a good time. Make sure, make sure you, uh introduce yourself be like i heard you on your podcast it was epic um yeah that's awesome i'm glad Thanks. like i mean i i hope i see you guys in the mfs circuit um in the near future i hope you that you guys will. hop back into that super super fast because uh now's the time man while it's taking off you yeah. know before everybody and their mother gets into it now's the time and Joey Baker's team is doing, um, he's on the Scott of Chicago team. They're doing like MFS scrambles in January. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody has time to come down here. I think it's January 5th. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we doing that event with Nalini. I think so. um, Matrix, SDC yes, Matrix is them. trying to put, is trying to, is that them? 
That's Joey's team. Yep. Oh, dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it? Is it in Jan? I think they're trying to put something on next summer too, right? They are doing so many things. It's so cool. Yeah. They're really crushing it. They yeah. do so many events. And I'm, hit, I'm hitting them up on Instagram sometimes. Like I'll share some of their things and I don't know who it is. That's like, cause I've never met them before. Oh, they're so nice. But yeah. if they, they send back the messages like, thanks for sharing Sam. Like we really appreciate it. Oh like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Great so, people on that team. They're not, they're, they're also not like a, um, like a faceless team, you know, like they're, they're putting in the time and the effort to connect with the people that are interacting with them on social media. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're like having this MFS scrambles. Like it's, they're just doing, you know, basically like, Hey, cover my slots. I'm going to put this on for you. It's so cool. Uh -huh. I love seeing that stuff, yeah. you know? Good for them. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, you want to play a game? Sure. Uh, I'm sure you listened to Garrett's episode, right? I did. Listen to it of course. All the way through. Good homie of mine, also an instructor at uh, Rosemont when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Did you listen all the way through? Did you get to the game at the end or no? I didn't get to the game at the end. Okay, no worries. No. no. That's that's fine because I'm a little salty about that one to be honest. Ooh, like he, okay. I'm gonna go picked, back. He picked an item. The more I think about it, and like when I was editing it, I was like, gosh, like he picked an item that. I'm like, does that qualify as a skydiving item? Like he he pretty much got me on that one. That one was hard. Mm, he made okay. that one hard. I won't I won't uh, spoil it for you so that you can okay. go back and listen and play along and see if you get it. <laughs> uh, but I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> the end of it. Anyway, okay. So twenty questions. This is the game. Twenty questions. All right, here we okay? go. So I am going to choose an item on the drop zone. Okay. Uh, I already have it picked. I've already picked one. Uh, I'm going to pick an item that has something to do with skydiving. It's not going to be something trivial that you would find okay. on a drop zone, like a water bottle or like a sure. towel or a shirt or something like that. It's going to be specifically for skydiving. Okay. Mm. Um, This thing could be anywhere on the drop zone, though. It doesn't okay. necessarily have to be a piece of gear. It could be a component of something else. Okay. okay. So it could be part of another, you know, thing. Um, it could be uh, on the ground. It could be in the plane. It could be a piece of gear that you take with you on sometimes on skydiving or on skydives. It could be something that's only for students. It could be something that's only for tandem instructors. Like there's a whole bunch of different things. It could be like a super wide variety. Right. Okay. Um, the goal, though, is process of elimination really fast, trying to figure out what questions to ask that will eliminate a lot of things so that you can hone in later on uh, okay. in the second half of your questions. There's too many people that just right off the bat say things like, oh, well, is it a helmet? Like, no, <laughs> I don't right. think you understand the rules of this no, game. No. <laughs> like, how this is played. Anyway, so um, process of elimination. Broad spectrum questions have a tendency to... Uh, do better, you know, like okay. broad, spe broad spectrum questions, you eliminate things faster. So think about those first. Um, at 10 questions, if you are super duper stumped, I will give you a new uh, a clue to help you along. And if you are like, absolutely throttled stumped, no at way. number 15, I will give you another one. Okay. Okay. All right. I have one. Should I go ask my gold. question? Sure. Go for gold whenever you're ready. All right. Does it fly up in the plane? Does it fly up in the plane? What does that mean? Does it fly like, is it plane? on your person in the airplane? 
That's two different questions. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. I'll go with the second one. Is it on the skydiver when they fly yes. up in the plane? Yes. Is it necessary to save their life? No. I'll keep track of your questions too. But okay. Is it something that they too. wear? No. Is it something that contributes to safety? Yes. So wait, it's on your person. They don't wear it. Contributes to safety to them. I mean, it's on. So, I mean, those two questions, it's on the skydiver and it's not worn. Like those two, like it's on you, but like. But you don't you wear just, it. But it's not like something that's intended to be worn, if that makes sense. Like okay. when, you, when you have it or when you get one of these, it's like you don't. Its intention is not to be like worn, if that okay. makes sense. Like you okay. put it on your on your wrist. You know what I mean? Like it's not is like it, that. Is it in your harness? No. Is it in or on your helmet? Those are two different questions. Is it on your helmet? It's not on your helmet. Is it in your helmet? Yes. Is it an audible? Yeah. Good job. Yes! <laughs> that was an easy one. That was a good one. It's <sighs> an easy one. Anyway, yes. Good job. That was great. Nice. All right. I got mine. Am I going to oh, do it? Oh, shit. All right. Enough? Sure. Sure. All Let's right. fucking go. All right. Um, is it a piece of gear? Yes. Do you take it with you on every skydive? No. So it's not. It pretty much eliminates everything on the rig. Um, Almost everything on the rig. Uh, do students use it? No. Have you ever been stumped? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, it was one. I okay. So the only times I've been stumped is when it's not something specific to skydiving. If that makes sense, like someone. Picks oh no! Something, this is this is skydiving. Yeah, something sure. somebody will pick something that's like. People use it in skydiving, but it's not made for skydiving, if that makes sense. Or the one the one that really got me was it was like an inanimate object, mm. you know, like it was like it was it was a beer fine. That was like the it was a beer. Oh, fine, right? And okay. I asked the I question, it. can I hold it in my hand? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you can't hold a beer you fine in your hand. Fine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so and he had switched like mid mid uh, mid like game from a beer board to a beer fine. And I was like. That doesn't count. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, so it's gear. It's not necessary for every jumper. It's not for students. Or it's not necessary for every jump. And it's not for students. All right. Is it electronic? No. Is its purpose to help safety or to promote yes. safety? Is it made of fabric? No. <laughs> I like that you had to think about it. When it's used, is it on the rig? No. Ooh, seven questions deep. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you're keeping track too. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So it's gear. It's a piece of gear. It's not necessary for every skydive. It's not for students. It's not electronic. It is used to promote safety, though. It's not made yes. of fabric and it's not on the rig. So it's got to be something that you bring on the jump. It's got to be something that you are wearing. It's on your person. Do you wear it on your person? Is it on your person during your skydive? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you bring it the sky with you. Is it part of your helmet? No. So it's not a cutaway cable. It's not a quick shoe or anything like that for safety purposes. Well, I got one more question before I technically get a hint. So Okay. Okay. It's not on your helmet. It's not part of your helmet. So it's not okay. going to be. 
what it is a natural fabric so i guess i lied it's a natural fabric okay so it's a it's <laughs> i fiber. looked that up it's fibers yes. it's made of fibrous. a fiber it's yeah. fibrous okay is it a component of something else no it's its own thing i think i know what it is okay but i'll take my clue anyway <laughs> leather it's leather oh it's leather, okay. Uh -huh. And it's not part of the helmet? Part of? It's not. It's like, that was my question. It's not like a part of your helmet, right? It's not part of the helmet, no. Okay. So it's a frap hat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> nice. <laughs> what else could it be? I was like, uh, okay, it's a frap hat. But like you said, it wasn't part of a helmet. So I guess like. Semantics I was just like, there. well, Semantics. it's not like in the helmet. You know what I mean? Like helmets are well, way less cool. I, and it's funny that you said it's used to promote safety. It's a frap hat, dude. <laughs> promote. It's, a, it's the, You know, like it's promoting <laughs> safety, but contributing to safety. Oh, that's funny. That's Mainly great. style. Let's be nice. real. That was a good one. Yeah. Frap hat, man. I haven't seen Thank one of those in a long time. Yeah. That's righteous. Nice. Good, yeah. good choice. Good Thank choice. you. Yeah, I was You're happy welcome. with that. I You're like welcome. the skydiving uh, Historia. Oh. oh, did you ever use a frat hat? Um, when the jump called for it, you know. Okay. There's a you. You met Robbie, right? At skydiving. Oh yeah. He wore oh, yeah. the frat hat every. I think he was wearing of... like a frat hat on that round jump he did, mm -hmm. which is completely unhinged. I love him yeah. for it. That's oh, so yeah. good. Is it this big yeah. mad science goggles? Like the the high school like yeah. lab goggles? Yeah. I know. Yep. So cool. He's epic. Like just the type of goggles you'd see like hanging off the side of a beach craft back in the 70s, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep. But bigger. <laughs> I know. But bigger. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's kind of all I got for you tonight, though. Awesome. How do you feel? How do you feel about everything? Feel good? I think we had fun and I managed not to be too spicy at any <laughs> yeah, I think group or people. I think, I think it was good. I think it went well. Um, that being said though, like I would love to have you back on if you want to spend more time uh, talking about history stuff. Like if you oh, want to sure. like every now and then kick like an hour of your time to like chit chat about some weird historical story that happened in skydiving. Like, dude, I'm so down. That'd be fun. I'm absolutely down. Sure. 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 I'm all about it. I love it uh cool well then for everyone listening we're gonna end it there thanks for tuning in to listen to mr cam haley thank uh, you sam chit chat about his uh skydiving life oh um, man it went off the rails in some spots but we're gonna keep all that in because it's hilarious Excellent. Uh, yeah thanks for everyone for listening have a good rest of your night uh stay safe blue skies bye yeah see you guys <laughs>